<clears throat> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get started eventually. Here. Yeah. And welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the executive director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that uh, helps families suffering from the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the ambitious angel mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Phil? Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Happy to be happy to be out and about for the amount of time we will get to do that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, because we'll be back into phase two in no time, everybody. Oh, uh, don't say it. Don't <laughs> yeah. say it. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't want to. I don't want to bring that <laughs> ugliness in here. I don't want to bring that ugliness in here. Only positivity. Yeah, only positivity. As most of you know, last week we aired, we re-aired the Sissy Sign podcast with a a different introduction and a new Sissy Sign from Bryn. And we kind of told everybody last week that we had a series of podcasts coming up that were really powerful, very profound, and had an incredibly open and raw special guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that time has arrived. We are going to kick off this series of podcasts. We have three podcasts over the next three weeks uh, with Allie Berman. She is uh, Lexa's mom. Lexa is her angel. Lexa died at 23 months in an accident. She is now Molly's mom. And she has an incredible journey that goes way beyond even being just Lexa's mom. She uh, has ad- she has had addiction issues since she was a teenager. Went through a lot of different things that most of us just don't experience in our daily lives. And got clean as a result of Lexa. Once Alexa passed away, she found herself back in the grips of addiction, and we kind of just talked her talked her through all of her story. It's, it's crazy, unbelievable. It is it is remarkable to just listen to her journey. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And you met her when you met. She was one of the first families that raised her own helped, correct? Yeah, uh, we were actually the day I heard about Alexa's passing mm-hmm. was actually us hosting our very first race for Rowan dinner and auction. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, um, somebody had showed me the article mm. and it was obviously a very, very similar tragic accident, like yeah. Rowan's passing yeah. and it hit home. Like, you know, you just get like kicked in the gut. Like, right. Oh my gosh. Right. So similar. And, um, w- we all knew like our whole team at that time were like, Oh, we're, we're paying for that. Like, yeah. there's just no way we're not like, yeah. so we just started doing everything we could to find her and reach out to her family. And, um, that's, I got to meet her not long after that, because after we actually paid for baby Alexa's services, Allie and her family made the trip down here to Tonino to meet mm. us. Mm. And I still have pictures. Um, we went to lunch here at the Sandstone cafe mm-hmm. and it was so meaningful because, yeah. um, you just, I think those moments when you really see what a difference you can make yeah. and help yeah. somebody in their worst, worst times, yeah. not like it takes the pain away because it doesn't at all, but it just helps relieve a little bit of the stress. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've just been yeah, connected with her ever yeah. since. And we just have that, I think, bond as two mothers that have lost our daughters, you yeah. know, and they were really close in age. And yeah. um, as you'll hear in our podcast, we talk a lot about Alexa's traits and kind of her right. personality. Right. And I right. do always feel like it's similar to Rowan's. Yeah. They had a lot of the same characteristics and yeah, um, yeah I've just had this deep connection with her. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really honored that she was here on our show yeah. and 
she's willing to share her um, crazy, crazy journey because yeah. it's not just grief for her. It's battling addiction at the same time, which yeah. is something that I've never had to deal with. Um, and I'm thankful for that. But she, she's open and raw and she shares it all. And I mean, I can't wait to share her journey with you guys. Yeah, it's an incredible story. We were originally going to do one and then we began to go down the road of her story of addiction to begin with, which didn't even have to do with Lexa yet. It just right. had to do with her and, and how and how she got into the life that she found herself in. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of quickly realized, oh, my gosh, we, we need to flesh this out. We need. She was so open, so willing to do it. Allie, we couldn't thank you enough for actually being that open. Yeah. Um, very raw. Very raw. You will you will find yourself a few times, you know, quite I think stunned and, and, and really moved by by Allie's story. It is a success story at the end of the day. So that third yeah. podcast, you will find that there is some really just beautiful things that even came out of this ugliness. So it's really right. it's really incredible. Before we get into too much of the podcast, before we toss it to her, one of the things that I want to do is is talk a little bit about addiction overall. So Almost everybody knows that addiction is a, a huge issue in the United States. It is also one of those issues, just like we talked about a while back on our um, Grief in the Public podcast. It is an issue that, while it affects certain uh, portions of the population differently than others, if you, uh, if you ha- experience it in your life, it doesn't matter if you have money. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who you vote for or anything. Addiction will light your world on fire. Yeah. And a lot of folks are experiencing it. So according to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 19.7 million American adults age 12 or older battle a substance abuse. One out of every eight adults struggled with both alcohol and drug use simultaneously. Wow. Yeah. Uh, 8.5 million American adults suffer both a mental health disorder and a substance abuse disorder. And then drug abuse, and this is incredible, drug abuse and addiction costs American society more than $740 billion a year. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That is unbelievable. Healthcare expenses, uh, workplace productivity, other related costs. You know, they talk a lot about causes. It's something that we get into a little bit with Allie. Not so much what, what personally, you know, sort of genetically caused it, but what got her into, you know, where she was. Genetics uh, are a huge are a huge reason why forty to sixty percent of a person's risk of addiction come from their wow. gene line, come from their family. You know, I didn't know that. Yeah, you you ha- you hear folks who are alcoholics talk about the gene, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, environmental factors may increase a person's risk of addiction if they have a chaotic home life, abuse, parents' drug use, wow. the attitude toward drugs overall. We saw this with Allie, peer influences. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you'll hear that a lot in episode number two. And uh, teenagers and people with mental health disorders are more at risk for drug use and addiction uh, than any other population. Wow. So we'll get into the treatment part a little bit more in the third in the third podcast, because that really is about her inevitable recovery, her or the recovery that actually got her through that seems like it's more sustaining at the moment. Yeah. But we're not going to get too much more into the weeds with statistics and all those sort of things. We don't want to take up too much more of your time. We're going to toss it to the very first part of our interview with Allie. In this portion of the interview, we talk about her angel, Lexa, uh, and a little bit of her addiction issues 
but we get more into that in episode two of this podcast. This is going to be more about the story of Lexa, who she was, and, uh, and, and her story of loss. So here it is. would like to introduce a very special guest um, and somebody that is very dear to my heart. We have Allie Berman on the phone. Can you say hello, Allie? Hi. Allie is so dear to my heart because she was actually one of our very, very first angel families that we assisted. Mm. Our unfortunate tragedies are so similar that I've always had this really strong connection to her because our daughters were the same age and they happened to pass in the same type of accident. So I've always had this really strong connection with Allie because mm-hmm. I felt like our grief was really similar. And Allie, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and being on our podcast today, Angel Talk. Of course. And thank you for having me. Excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about your angel, Allie, and just a little bit of your story of personal loss? Um, my daughter's name was Alexa Ray Erbach, and she was born May 11, 2013, and um, she lived to be about 23 months. She was a few weeks away from being two years old when her accident happened, and she was everything to me in mm. life. Like mm. I beforehand struggled with addiction, mm. and I had a whole bunch of awful things that went on in my life, and that was like what I you know, did to cope. Mm -hmm. And when I found out I was pregnant, I actually, um, I I thought I went into the hospital because I had these really bad stomach pains Mm. and I had been throwing up and stuff. And I was just like, this isn't right. You know, something's going on with me and I'm, I'm a hypochondriac and I'm really (laughs) overdramatic. And so I, um, went to the hospital and, they did an ultrasound and they asked me if there was any chance I could be pregnant. Wow. And I was like, no, absolutely not. You know, I don't think so. Yeah. And the doctor came in and he was like, okay, well, you know, this is, you, these are your options. And he just kind of figured, you know, since I was an addict and I mean, at this time in my life, I had just track marks all, everywhere all over. Oh, wow. Me. So oh. He, he pretty much figured that, I needed options other than keeping the baby. Wow. And so I left there kind of shocked. I remember walking out to my uncle had taken me and I had been living with my uncle at that time. And um, I remember walking out to the car and saying to him that I was pregnant and he was just like blown away and was like, well, what are we going to do? You know, like my co-pilot for so long, you know, he helped me do everything. And he still is um, a tremendous supporter in my life. But I was just kind of like, well, you know, the doctor gave me these options and gave me these pamphlets. And um, yeah, so I for, you know, I texted um, my boyfriend at the time and I told him and he was just like, well, you know, absolutely not. Because he figured, you know, that I wasn't going to stop doing what I was doing because at that time, nothing could have, nothing would shake me. Nothing would stop me from doing what I was doing. And wow. I didn't give up nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he pretty much, you know, I, which I understand now in a lot of people too, they didn't think I was going to pull through. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went to my doctor, Karen Lee, and she's I'm like the grandma, the God's gift. You know, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. she's an OBGYN and she, um, she told me, oh God, 
you know, I had treated myself a certain way for so long. Right. I just had figured that she was just going to tell me that, you know, and, and, I, and I think I wanted somebody to just kind of reassure me that, you know, was a strong person in my life, that mm-hmm. that's what I needed to do. And she sat down with me and uh, she was like, you know, Allie, I see it as two, you have two choices here. And um, she's like, your first choice is you can continue doing what you're doing. You can have somebody drive you down to get an abortion um, and told me the different ways I can go about doing it. Wow. And um, she said, and you can keep living the life you're living and you'll probably end up, you know, in jail. You'll probably end up dead. And she said, I really think that that's the route that you're going down. She said, I don't know when, but that's the first choice. Or the second choice is, is you can give this baby a chance and give yourself a chance. You're giving me goosebumps. (laughs) And leaving there, you know, I, um, I made the choice that that's what I was going to do. I remember texting my boyfriend and telling him that that's, that's what I was doing. And I called my mom and I told her and, um, we got me into, I went to a Swedish hospital in Seattle. It was a, um, a 28 day detox, I believe mm-hmm. for women. And, you know, like I said, so many people didn't have faith in me. And so the entire time I was there, I don't know how many times I switched rooms because my boyfriend at the time, he was calling and calling and trying to tell me, you know, to try and change my mind because he was scared, you know, which I totally understand. He was scared I was going to bring this baby into this world, be sober for a little bit, you know, while I was pregnant, I'll be all hunky-dory. And then afterwards, I'd start doing what I was doing before and he'd have this baby to take care of on his own. So I know he was scared absolutely that's all right it's edited come on now (laughs) and Allie is uh was he an addict at the time as well no he actually had gosh he was let's see I think he was two years three years clean at the time one to three years somewhere around there um and so I mean he would he stuck with me throughout my whole use and you know um experience I don't know even know what to call it mm-hmm. um, yeah. cycle who know I mean it was just a life that I was living and he just decided to stay with me during it yeah so I I did my whole um detoxing and then I got um they put me on methadone while I was in the hospital and I stuck with that and um I had a slip up after I had my daughter she was like oh I want to say like somewhere between a month to two months old and um when I do drugs like I absolutely go balls to the wall you know there's (laughs) there's not um you know it's not just like Oh, a little here and there. It's like, I've got to do it and I've got to do it now. And I've got to do as much as I can. And I've got to do it the way that's going to get me the most messed up. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know what I think, you know, I thought that having a baby was going to make, you know, my life like fall all together all at once. And that me and my boyfriend would get a place and, I thought that he would at least, you know, if we didn't get a place right away, he'd at least be staying with me. And it wasn't that at all. Mm -hmm. He was, 
he was working nights. He pretty much, you know, stay. I saw him on the weekends, if if that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he would come down, you know, maybe once a week for like a couple hours. And, you know, I was really overwhelmed. Yeah. And, you know, I can make excuses up for myself. But the point is, is I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing at that point in my life in recovery. And I wasn't involved enough. And, um, I was still talking to people that I shouldn't be talking to. And it was a temptation and I gave in and I went and got, um, some drugs and I, um, I remember, um, my daughter just crying and crying and crying and all I wanted her to do was be quiet because I was trying to, I couldn't concentrate and I was trying to find a vein to shoot my drugs into oh my and God, I remember I remember thinking you know like if only this baby would just be quiet my daughter became like a problem mm. you know I I just wanted to just do what you know what what I wanted to do I wanted mm-hmm. to be selfish and I wanted to feel that feeling and my daughter became you know a nuisance mm. and there was this feeling the next day, you know, I ended up doing what I was doing all day long and it was summer and it was hot out. And I remember just being like sweating and then worrying about, you know, the drugs soaking out of my skin and like possibly touching my daughter. So I had like all these sweatshirts on and burp rags over me to like even hold her. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And it was awful. And then the next morning when I finally, you know, got a little bit of sleep and came out of it. I remember feeling so awful and being like, what did I do? And how could I ever, you know, how, how could I do this to myself, Mm -hmm. to my daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I know in recovery, you learn, you know, you've got to do things for you. And and that's why I say myself first is because I learned this in recovery. You've got to do things for you before you can do anything for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I had, yeah. And so I, I had to, you know, come to a realization that I had a lot more work to do and I needed to get involved. I needed to change my life around. And it was at that point in time that I started going to meetings and I started going, every day. And then I'd start going twice a day. I went to this, um, meeting, I think it was the buzz in. it was a little restaurant in Marysville. I know the buzz in. Yes. Yes. Didn't we meet there. Yes, we did. We yes. did meet at the buzz in. Yes. So they had these meetings early in the morning and my daughter was always up early. I mean, babies wake up, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, what well, I figured let's just go. And so I would go every morning, I believe it was six 30 or seven 30. We'd you know, just put on our clothes and head out, not, you know, just head out the door, put a hat on. And I sat there and I started listening. And, you know, at first I was sitting in the back and people were so nice to me. And, you know, of course, to my baby, you know, I felt like, oh, she's being loud. You know, maybe I shouldn't come to meetings, but people were just so welcoming and just, oh, you know, can I do anything to help you with your baby? You know, they basically just like wrap their arms around me and like, afterwards would come up to me and like introduce themselves and tell me about other meetings going on and slowly but surely like I started going twice a day and like finding out you know where all the good meetings were and you know I I met lots of people I got myself a sponsor I got really involved wow so that was your your support system 
Yes. I met a lot of really good friends and I have a, a lot of them um, today are still really near mm. and dear to me. After all that, I mean, me and my daughter and um, my boyfriend at the time, we um, we would split up and get back together, split up, get back together. Yeah. And I was working like coffee jobs and stuff, you know, and I was on state assistance and just trying to make it. And I would yeah. go to like um, parenting classes for like women in recovery, former addicts, um, where they teach you like parenting styles, all sorts of stuff. And um, it's kind of like um, like a daycare for, for women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Nice. <laughs> I know a few yeah. people that could go to them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they totally teach you every everything and like you know parenting skills. And um, yeah, I mean it was amazing, and I met a lot of you know really people that were you know going through the same thing as me in life. Mm. Yeah, so it was was really nice to be able to you know experience that with people and being like you know I'm not in competition with you. This is you know no one's doing better than anybody. We're all here to learn, and we're all here to learn for our child's well-being, you know? Yeah. And it's a safe place. Yeah. Somehow, I don't even know how it happened, but one day I got a call. It was Catholic Community Services. I don't know if I'm supposed to name drop or not, but (laughs) they reached out to me and they had said my social worker there had put me on a list to get into an apartment and they had accepted me. And that I could move in in a couple of weeks. And I was totally blown away because at this point I'd been living at my uncle's house still. And I had been going back and forth, you know, between my boyfriend's house. And yeah, so I was like, okay, finally, you know, this is awesome. Things are going my way. Um, yeah, it was like a That's tremendous awesome. milestone in mine and my daughter's life at the time. And um, I continued working and. Yeah, my daughter, I, I got a new job at a different coffee stand and um, my daughter would go to like at the sitter's house while I'd work and stuff. And yeah. then um, me and um, my uh, ex, we ended up getting back together. I, I failed to mention for somehow, I don't know how I completely spaced. Um, my daughter, Alexa, has a sister named Peyton, who is my stepdaughter. I still consider you know, yeah. my stepdaughter. So she and my daughter had this relationship. I mean, they're sis- they were sisters. They were so close in age. Yeah. And I don't know how I failed to even bring this up. But mm-hmm. obviously, as I said, like when I was using, um, you know, you couldn't really take me seriously. Yeah. And so I think my boyfriend at the time, you know, he kept going back and forth between me and this other girl. And um, he actually got her pregnant. And I was down in California at the time and we were like working things out and then decided not to. He told me that he he got her pregnant and I told him, you know, you should try it with her. You know, that's what you got to do. And then I ended up coming back from California a month or so later and he just said he couldn't do it anymore. And anyways, they're, they're really good friends now. I'm actually really close with her too now. Wow. Oh, wow. She and, um, Peyton have been like a big part of my life ever, you know, forever. Yeah. And so, um, when my daughter was alive, um, I think they were not even a year apart. Mm -hmm. So they were really close in age. And so they like were absolutely, I mean, when she would, Charles would bring, um, 
skating over, they would come running full speed towards each other. Almost oh, that's to awesome. Give each other a hug. You know, they, they were so cute together. Can you talk a little bit about Lexa specifically? Um, you know, what kind of, what kind of, uh, what kind of angel she was and then briefly share the story of, of the loss. Okay. Um, yeah. So Alexa, I mean, she was such a funny little girl. She had like such personality. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I feel like she was really mature for her age. <laughs> I think as funny as that sounds like she was going, um, she was using the potty at 23 months old, like full, full force. Nice and, job. That's yeah. So and my daughter now she's two. Yeah. And, um, she's still, you know, really trying to right? figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she'll miss the potty by, you know, a few steps. You know? <laughs> <laughs> potty training is not fun. It's not awesome. No. It's yeah. Not. No. But, I mean, she was just, like, the light of, I mean, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody who came, who met her, you know, everybody was just like that that little girl. She was so sweet, and, like, she would literally run up, and it almost was kind of, like, worrisome, you know, because she would run up to anybody and, like, be so friendly and yeah. want to hug and, you know, Aww. and so, um, I mean, I, I can't, there's, like, so, so much that I miss about her all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to watch, um, videos still. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't for the longest time, but, um, I mean, to be honest, like I, I worried about the day where I would forget what she sounded like. Oh, wow. Me too. You know? And, um, you know, I feel like that day has long since passed mm. and, so I, I have this little um, clip that um, is on my phone uh, th- of her singing happy birthday. And I'll listen to that every year on wow. my birthday. Wow. I feel like, you know, I still, I, it's hard for me because I get so emotional and I feel like I, I get in this spot where I know, you know, I'm, I, I don't think, you know, having an, with having my daughter now, I don't think I want to get in that spot. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I definitely let myself feel, you know, I mean, I cry all the time missing her and, you know, I know how to like block things out. You know, I've learned how to do that. And I've learned how to like maneuver to, from going from like being absolutely devastated and yeah. sad when I think about her to like turn it around and, you know, think of the memory that puts a smile on my face. Right. She was such a a brave little girl. She would like, literally like we had a swimming pool at my apartment and she would jump it. I mean, it was almost like I said, (laughs) she would just jump in and just pray somebody catches her. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. She was a wild one and she was so, I mean, right now I'm dealing with terrible twos with my other daughter. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're pretty terrible. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> no kidding. I don't remember that, you know, this around this age being so hard with Alexa, but maybe I've forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's like 
I at least feel the same way as you, Allie, where I'm like, okay, I don't remember um, Rowan ever having the big meltdowns and the fits that my daughter Monroe has. And I'm like, I just chalk it up to Rowan was like perfect. So, (laughs) yep, exactly. (laughs) Like, you know, our angels are perfect. And Uh I love, like, I I don't know if it's real or, or if it's like we just think that now that they're gone. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't remember it either. I'm like, Rowan was perfect. She never had a problem. Yep. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, this is a good question for both of you. How did you guys actually come to get to know each other? And actually, uh, Allie, how did you come in contact with Race for Rowan in general? So actually, so I remember, um, so after my daughter's accident, um, so the accident actually happened at my uncle's house Mm. that morning. Um, we had my, um, boyfriend at the time, he had an interview and we just decided to ride up together and I was going to go to my uncle's house for a little bit while he drove up to Anacortes mm-hmm. and then he was going to pick us up afterwards mm-hmm. and the accident happened and obviously none of that went down that day. Right. And, um, I didn't want to go back to my apartment in Linwood. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't happen there, but I just couldn't go back there. I didn't want to see, you know, her blanket or, right. you know, all of those things. She left them. I didn't. I, and I never went back there too. I never went back there. Wow. Day, really? You know? wow. Yep. We, I had, um, my family, um, moved, packed my stuff up and we moved out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I, we went to my, my dad was in town. My dad normally, he has a house here now, but he was in Brazil. And so he just so happened to be here. And, um, he actually was supposed to take us to lunch this day mm-hmm. and so i mean he was like the first person that i called and so he came and picked us up and after every i mean this is like hours and hours later mm-hmm. and we were at my grandma's house and a few i mean i think it was one or two days i'm not sure i can't i i i, I don't know I think it's I all a blur at that time i, yeah. I assume yeah yeah I, I believe it was the second, the day after it was when I was told anything about um, Raise for Rowan. Uh, but my dad actually had pulled me aside and had said that, and at the time I didn't know, and I believe it was my cousin Angela, who I don't know if she had contacted you or if you guys had heard. I'm not oh, even yeah. sure. I remember, I feel like we reached out to you or somebody reached out to somebody in your family to let you know about us because we were such a new nonprofit. I don't think we really had, you know, established a reputation yet. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think we were very well known because we had just started. So this was for Phil Brin. This was one of those where you were actually still reaching out to people. Yeah, Yeah. because when I heard about Ali's story, because it was obviously very highly publicized, Mm -hmm. you know, in social media and on the news and stuff, and... Um, for our listeners, just to get a little, you know, glimpse, like she was in Marysville and then I'm here in Tonino, but we're both Washington. And then her story was so similar to, to mine that it hit home. And I was like, well, we have to like, we are going to support this right, family. Right. Um, and we had just hosted our first fundraiser and had money in the bank to give. And I'm yeah. like, we're giving it to her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't really know how, who reached out to us or, you know, how I contacted well, you, but... Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, that that's all a blur. Or mm-hmm. How we even talk. I mean, I think, I think my mom or my dad had been the one talking to you. But I remember when when I had heard, you know, that um, you know, this nonprofit raised for Rowan wanted to help with my daughter's funeral. You know, I mean, in in a time like that where you 
experienced such tragedy. Yeah. Um, how it feels to have to know that somebody you don't even know cares so much oh, and, yeah. and feels so much, you know, of yeah. your pain with you. And that they want to do whatever they can do, knowing that, you know, money or words aren't going to help, you know, me to feel any better. But it's going to make things a little bit easier. And it was one thing that we didn't have to deal with. And Bryn had told my, I remember um, my uh, ex's sister, we were picking out flowers. And um, I was like, well, let's not do it, you know, because those seemed to be expensive and she said well Bryn said not spare any expense oh wow yeah I just you shouldn't even have to think about those things you know what I mean like when you're planning the last celebration of your angel's life it's like don't spare any costs you know like that's that was my mentality is I just wanted her to have the most perfect perfect and it was it was so beautiful I mean I can't put into words how grateful I was and am, you know, and indebted to raise for Rowan and to Bryn and her family. Oh, you're going to make me cry. I'm trying not to cry really hard, but it's it's a tough one. Holy cow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. All right, so that was our first interview with Allie. Uh, Pretty amazing story uh, with Lexa. It's really unbelievable, and she talks about you know, how hard it was going to be for her to, to get pregnant. And um, it's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, what a huge blessing. Yeah. Alexa. Unbelievable. I, it's really neat to hear sort of how against the odds Alexa was to mm-hmm. begin with. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's a powerful little girl. She sure is. She yeah. sure is. So I just picture her and Rowan holding hands all the time in heaven <laughs> Yeah, and like cheering on their moms. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That's very cool. I know. I just picture that because they're just so much alike yeah that's awesome so we want to thank Allie for coming on and being so upfront and honest about Lexa and her relationship and all that sort of different stuff next week as we said will be the story of Allie's addiction how she got into into that lifestyle Mm -hmm. how hard it was to get out and how Lexa eventually impacted that lifestyle so look out for that thank you everybody for for taking a listen and we'll talk to you next week Mm -hmm.